Well, she sneaks around the world from Ruston to the Andes. She's a Martin Rich Madame who's tricked by missionaries and she's going for a ride in a coffin duplex. Tell me where in England is Lady Francis Carfax? Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to A Study in Granada, a bi weekly pod. Well, we're, uh, you know what? Uh, when we feel like it, podcast. Yeah, we, much like Sherlock Holmes, will go months without cases and then suddenly have a lot of things happen all at once. I felt rheumatic, so I went to the Turkish baths. It's not a big deal. But we're back, and I, Mike Noel Faminot, expert, am joined by, for the first time, fan but not expert, Jackson F1, where we read the Sherlock Holmes stories, we watch the 1980s Granada television series, and we talk about it. Jackson, welcome back to The Study. Yay, welcome back to the study. It has been a hot minute, but uh, glad to be back. Um, I think it was appropriate that we, after a long absence, we thunder right into the new season with maybe the most boring story we've read to date. Truly, truly deeply unexciting. There's a certain, like, there should be tension here, <laughs> but somehow the Naval Treaty is more, like, exciting to me than this. I want to talk about the tension, because I think the story does a better job of... Of applying tension of like there is a ticking clock we have no information and like she's probably dead by now mm-hmm. than the, the show does which I think is where like because they did a lot of changes and like I said we'll get into it but I feel yeah. like if they had if they were doing changes already making it much more of a like we don't have any clues we don't have any information and we don't know where she is and it's like it's been three weeks like in the book in the story Holmes is like hey they called me because she's been missing for five weeks now and in the episode watson's just there on holiday and it sees it happen essentially mm-hmm. we'll probably get you after the summary but as a quick mm-hmm. explanation um the story has watson sent off to pursue a case in france here he's just on vacation and encounters a crime yeah like in he... in the fine tradition of all agatha christie novels <laughs> the predecessor to jessica fletcher exactly we're not going to hold you back from what you're all actually here for and that is the synopsis Miss Dobney, Lady Frances Carfax's former housekeeper, who was used to get who was used to get letters from her mistress on a regular basis, is alarmed by her sudden silence. She asks Sherlock Holmes to ascertain her whereabouts. The detective is quite worried about this young woman who sorry, who's traveling on her own, carrying valuable jewelry with her. He sends Watson to Lucane, Luzon, Luzanne, Roxanne. where Lady Frances has been staying lately. On site, the doctor learns that she left in a hurry for Baden after a strange bearded man paid her a visit. I, for some reason, I think I paid her. This uh, <laughs> uh, paid her a visit. Watson then tracks her into Germany, where she apparently formed friendship with two missionaries, Dr. Schlesinger and his wife. The three of them left town at the same time, but Watson also learns that the bearded man preceded him in Baden to ask the same questions. Clueless, Watson heads to Montpellier to speak to Marie Devine, Lady Frances' former chambermaid, who left her mistress in Lucerne, Luzon, to get married. As Watson notices he's spied as Watson notices he's spied by the bearded man, he goes after him and they fight. He's rescued by a workman who turns out to be Holmes and in disguise. Of course. The detective conducted a parallel investigation and discovered the identity of the bearded man. This is Philip Green, Lady Frances's former suitor, who left England a few years sorry, who left England a few years ago <laughs> after some misdemeanors. Wow, that can't be how that word's spelled. M I S D E M E A N O U R S. That can't be how misdemeanors is spelled. Maybe uh, a fancy way. There's yeah, yeah, maybe, but there's no U in that. After some misdemeanors, but is now back to propose her. <laughs> Fabulous. 
Back in London, Holmes gets his suspicions about Schlesinger confirmed. He is Holy Peters, a crook whose target whose targets oh whose targets are young, lonely, and wealthy ladies. With the help of Green, Holmes, and Watson, locate him and learn he has just ordered a special coffin. <laughs> Full stop. Fearing the worst, they toughly visit the crook. I didn't know a fail. Toughly visit the crook. Good. As it's Peter's old nanny, that there's the missing apostrophe. As it's Peter's old nanny who lays in the coffin, Holmes spends the night brooding over his failure and then has an epiphany. He wakes Watson up in the wee hours of the morning and takes him to the nanny's funeral. <laughs> the detective forcibly opens the coffin and, fi- and find Lady Frances Carfax unconscious but alive in the double bottom in which Peter's was about to marry her. <sighs> so the episode plot is. About the same for the last third, mm-hmm. um, but the opening has a lot more like Watson's already on the scene. It's more running around. We don't go all over the all over. Yeah, it's and, just, just like different parts of the UK. And in fact, the episode opens with Watson writing Holmes letters about his fun holiday, mm-hmm. uh, which is my first note. Lol, Watson walked fourteen miles because he's like, I took a lovely stroll fourteen miles today. My God, and this then, man. Yeah. Well, there's in um, one of the ones we covered in the story. They're like. How would you like to take like just like a leisurely stroll with me? And it's like they walked for four hours through <laughs> London. It's like that was just they're like yeah, we just took like a leisurely stroll. Um, Man, imagine if you like touch grass. Now it's like a leisurely stroll where you spend two hours going through Twitter before you. Have I followed Grass's TikTok. <laughs> it is just weird that like they open this one and Holmes is nobody's. She's not missing at this point. Watson's just like, hey, here's my fun vacation. Oh, by the way. She's gone. Or no, she's not gone at that point. He's just like, this weird thing's going on with some bearded man. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, Holmes is like playing D&D, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of LARPing the case with like little figurines. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the story cleverly has him uh, have this honestly wonderful line where he's like, oh, I can't go with you to investigate this case. Um, Scotland Yard feels lonely without me, which is so funny. Also, like, old Abrams is worried to death that someone's going to murder him. Like, it's just this, like, casual, like, you know I can't leave London with old Abrams terrified for his death. It's like, yep, no, no more questions. <laughs> I will say, this like, gets us to the action faster. Because I think if you didn't do that, there's just a lot, a lot of, like, um, Sherlock... Telling Watson some stuff, and then Watson going and talking to people, and then more talk. It's this gets, gets things happening sooner. However, it also obfuscates some of the points that matter uh, a lot, which makes it harder to solve. It does feel like with uh, we were talking about this with uh, see how they run, mm-hmm. where I like they gave a lot of names very quickly, and then went back through them as they were like starting to investigate. It's like, oh, that's who this man is. That's who this man is, and I think. My take is that was the point of, like, there's so many people that are you just have to set up, like, really immediately. Because Holmes does an entire info dump at the beginning of the story. This one is, like, Watson introducing the people a little bit more naturally than just Holmes being like, okay, so here's... I'm going to speak for five nonstop minutes and name every person in this case. Mm-hmm. This way it was, like, a little bit more of an introduction there. It does give it a, like, slower kind of... Like, we don't get to the mystery immediately because... Like, in this one, she's already missing in, in the, the show. Watson is writing all these letters to Holmes, and Holmes just, like, writes them back, like, under no circumstances leave her alone. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, Watson, Watson runs in, and she's gone now. Yeah. This one, it's like, no, she's been gone for five weeks. And I think that's why the book has a better, like, vibe of the tension of this case than the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of the trouble is that about half of the episode, Holmes is like, ah, yes, it is this guy, Holy Peters, which... There's not really any lead up to that guy. Like we yeah. in the story, there's a tiny little clue that indicates Holmes knows 
Holmes suspects this one guy of being somebody. We don't know who yet, but when it's revealed, it's kind of like, cool. We saw how that was set up and now paid off, as opposed to just, of course, this guy you've never heard of because he's not real. I love in the story, because, like, Book Watson is so dumb. And it's just really funny that, like, they're looking for a missing woman. And Holmes is a little, like, shitty to him in the telegrams of, like, like, oh, well, done, Watson. You're inimitable. To, like, like clearly just, like, taking the piss out of him because he's not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And then at one point he's like, I received another telegram asking me, like, what did his left ear look like? Which is, of course, a joke. And I was like, yeah, Sherlock Holmes, famous prankster. I mean, in the middle of a case. <laughs> right. And also, like, a famous prankster, but might be good to double check just in case. <laughs> Yeah, like it was, and in the book, the story, like, I was already not in that town anymore when I got that telegram, so I couldn't ask anyway. But it was just kind of like, Watson just like, whoa, clearly a joke. Mm-hmm. Oh, Watson. I will say, I do enjoy how Holmes, once again, just appears out of nowhere dressed in some disguise. <laughs> I, I feel like, okay, so, if I'm playing Sherlock Holmes in a D&D game, I think he should have, like, a feat or an ability where you can just <clears throat> declare, actually, I'm that NPC at will. <laughs> Yeah, he's not in a scene. He's like, oh, by the way, I was the butler the whole time. Mm-hmm. That'd be really fun, actually. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, but then they eventually track Lady Frances to a bank. She runs around in a yeah. chasing that wasn't sure meant to be very good. Um, she, like, imagine you're in a bank, and yeah. you see on, like, a second, like, balcony, you see the person who you, who is missing, and you're trying to, like, help, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she starts running to the left. So, naturally, you start running to the right to find the stairs, and not... Let's go that same direction and find the stairway she's inevitably going to come down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which holds us, and they lose her again. Yep. And she almost dies. She sure does. Because she is almost buried alive. <laughs> under uh, an old woman. Under an old woman. Not in like a second <laughs> false bottom or something. Just like... They just put her on top. Yeah. Yep. Um, the episode wants to hype up the tension by mm-hmm. uh, implying that uh, Holy Peters has done at least a murder before. Mm-hmm. Or at least is suspected of it. In the story... It's said that he hasn't, and that creates a problem because in the episode there is no reason to keep this lady alive, yeah. whereas in the story it's like, oh, they don't want to do a murder just in case they're found out, and that way, like, the charges are not as bad. Reasonable. Yeah. In the episode, they're like, yeah, she must be dead. There's no, there's nothing that would make them stay alive here. That's what we were like, when they found her alive in the coffin, we were like, why? Why did, what purpose is served by leaving her alive? You could stab her in the coffin and have the same effect. I do think the story does a better job, as boring as it is, it does a better job of like dotting the I's and crossing the T's than the, the episode does. Like they mm-hmm. mention in this in the show, it's like, oh, that's my wife's old nurse who suddenly who died recently. It was like, wow, really convenient. And in the story, they're like, oh, they just like went to an old person home. It's like, yep, that's my old nurse. Bye now. Mm-hmm. They like took her with them, and then she died of old age like two days later. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes more sense than just like conveniently we had a dead nurse like yeah. to bury her with. Um, a very useful death. Yeah. More people should die at times that are useful to criminals. <laughs> anyway, um, the police, I am not involved in whatever Jackson's planning. <laughs> so, yeah, but like that, um, there's a, a whole thing where, if that with the keeping her alive, I think their idea was they were just going to hold her hostage until they sold all her jewels and then like release her and be like, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah. Which, <clears throat> I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, this whole mystery from story to show has just a lot of like weirdly contrived like i guess like in the show that instead of doing like she's been missing for five weeks and like we don't know where she like they pretty quickly find that man's house uh with 
the honorable whatever his name green being the worst tailor in the history of i mean by that i mean person who tails somebody not a tailor yeah um but in the thing then they find out where his house is and he comes back he's like great we know where she is and holmes like well it's gonna take three days to get a warrant i don't know what to tell you (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) you broke into a woman's house to steal like naughty photographs or whatever like what do you like i mean to the credit he then like it sends that man off to the police to try to like speed it up and then he and watson get out their guns and go to that man's house yeah but it's just like what are we doing why are we just throwing up the most contrived roadblocks or like why at every point i didn't check i think this is late in the run maybe even after he came back from the dead quote unquote so i don't know if doyle is like giving it 110 percent um So, according to Wikipedia, it's one of the eight stories in the cycle collected as his last bow in 1917. So, it was very near the end of Sherlock Holmes, like, just generally. Yeah. One gets the impression that maybe Sherlock Cronendale was like, hmm, what if a warrant causes an obstacle and didn't really have a good way to, like, pursue that? Yeah, I think also, like, I just think he didn't give a shit because Mm -hmm. a lot of the story is just... Here's all the information that I could have worked in, like, in a fun mystery way, but Holmes is just going to say it in, like, a speech. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like that thing from Slings and Arrows about Hamlet, where it's like, there's, Hamlet's a, a you know, full point, but as long as you hit those five speeches, soliloquies, everyone goes home happy. It kind of feels like Doyle was like, as long as Holmes gets two very long blocks of text saying, like, r- true information about the case or things that he deduced, nobody cares. <laughs> I think that's something the episode does a decent job of making the um, the world feel more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. It brings in uh, Lady Frances Carfax's brother, who doesn't uh, exist in the story. He sure so. doesn't, and he he looks like if he kind of took every possible British actor and overlaid all their faces into one single face. Uh, who was he played by? I know he was the Valley Arbor. It also has this fun bit where Lady Frances Carfax decides she's going to sail a boat across the lake to get to the church instead of walking like a normal person, uh, which is fun. She has a lot of, like, nautical stuff happening. doesn't really go anywhere, but it's there. She's a more, you know, interesting character at first. And Mrs. Hudson gets to do some stuff. That's fun, you know. Oh, we always like to have a bit of Hudson watch happening. Michael Jaston was the actor. Yeah. Uh, people know him as the Valiard in classic Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. He has a whole bit about owls that I enjoy. <laughs> go ahead. Talk about the owls. <laughs> so, he's the lord of a decaying manor. They can't afford all the upkeep. And so... There's a family of owls in the East Wing. And when Holmes is visiting him, he's like... We acquired it all at the Revolution. And now it's hers. What I have is owls. Owls in the East Wing. Want to see the owls? It's a very good bit. It is very... He keeps bringing up the owls. Mm-hmm. Like, and I very much like, I don't think you understand my house is full of owls. <laughs> it's a, a very specific mood of being, like, annoyed about this one problem that you can't easily solve. It is, I'm just. I wonder why they brought a brother in. Like that's the maybe because otherwise. A problem. <laughs> yeah. I can also see it being theoretically a uh, red herring. Like maybe the brother's involved somehow, but he's not. Yeah, I think with T.R. Bowen, who wrote the screenplay for this one, um, just trying to find ways to work in the information that's not Holmes talking for twenty uninterrupted minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the brother was there to give them information about the Honorable Richard Green and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like. Um, but again, it just was like, I, I, I'm just kind of baffled about some of the decisions. Yeah. Speaking of baffling decisions, let's talk about the fight. <laughs> um, I have the, I'm going to read this snippet from the book here, the story to give you the set, the scene of what it's supposed to have happened. 
The fellow gave a bellow of anger and sprang upon me like a tiger. I have held my own in many a struggle, but the man had a grip of iron and the fury of a fiend. His hand was on my throat and my senses were nearly gone before an unshaven French here in a blue blouse darted out from a cabaret opposite with a cudgel in his hand and struck my assailant a sharp crack over the forearm, which made him leave go his hold. He stood for an instant, fuming with rage and uncertain whether he should not renew his attack. Then, with a snarl of anger, he left me and entered the cottage from which I had just come. What actually happened is Watson kind of shoulders that guy, who then gives him the most, like, we'll say medium push. Like, it is the like a very light kind of like, get away from me, dude. And that's the end of the fight. Yep. This show has not always had a great track record with fight scenes. Mm-hmm. I get that most of his actors are like, you know, genial British men in their like forties to sixties. You don't want to damage them. That would be, you know, you don't want to injure their natural treasure. There's Edward Hardwick. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe if they had David Burke, would have come back. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of a classic, weird, not very good fight scene. Yeah. This is kind of before like, the era where Sherlock Holmes has his, like, um, I can see every muscle and how they will move and, right. and all their angles thing going on. I mean, but even for the time, it feels like a very bad fight. Like, yeah. I'm not expecting, like, The Matrix or whatever. <laughs> like, But it was just, like, Watson just kind of, like, messes with the guy, like, a little bit. And that gives him just a very not hard push away from him and walks off. And that was the entire... But everybody's like, oh, my God, did you see that brawl? Like, everyone's muttering, like, they just watched a knockdown drag out fight. There's a very, there's a fun bit in an episode of Buffy where uh, local schlub Xander and uh, an airhead vampire Harmony are doing like a goofy slap fight in slow motion while uh, Mars Bringer War plays, and it's kind of that vibe, but without the humor. Good. Unrelated. Something went wrong on the document, and now one of our talking points is just what. <laughs> Another thing we should probably. I always touch on this does have the yucky trope in many mysteries where there's a person in a wheelchair oh no they're not in a wheelchair they're just evil they are in a wheelchair they just don't need a wheelchair yeah Schlesinger fully can walk although Watson shot him in the leg in a graveyard so maybe not as well anymore yeah now he does need a wheelchair man that sentence sounded rad but it really wasn't yeah no not at all <laughs> um, I do want to say because I, I just remember this the, one of the differences that I think was like truly wild that also again gave the story a better vibe was they basically wrapped her head in a towel covered in chloroform and then also just like poured some more in the coffin so she wouldn't like wake up during any of the burying and i was just like opening that coffin and finding her not only under a like dead body but her head is wrapped in like a chloroform towel would have been like fuck dude yeah it would justify her being like a shell of her former self at the end yeah. as she's the end of the episode but really have that in the story. It's also a weird, like, I'm no, I'm okay with the bummer ending. Mm. Holmes is like, I failed. I was like, I guess. But also, like, what, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. I guess for not solving it fast enough and, and rescuing her, which is which is legitimately sad. But, right. Yeah. I mean, people have died in his mysteries, though, because yeah. he wasn't found. He's like, I shall never rest again. I must go into the West and be diminished. Like, I can see it being a thing, and we haven't seen the episode, so I don't know for sure, of being like, a, I have failed, now I'm on a, like a journey of redemption. But uh, I don't know I they're going to have the kind of continuity happening. Um, it's kind of a bummer for me because in the story, she's just a nice lady with money, which, mm-hmm. good for her. But in, in the episode, she's like a firebrand. She like mouths off to a priest. She uh, knows how to sail. She's kind of like a, a modern woman. Um and then by the end of it, she's like this uh, near comatose person who's uh, barely conscious of her surroundings. And it's kind of like, 
I don't think the episode is intentional to do a commentary on like a modern one who went too far, but it kind of right. ha- feels in that territory. Yeah, it feels like an Icarus or like, now see what happens, women. If you knock a glass of water over while recording a podcast. Ooh, let's grab a towel real fast. Dun, 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 dun. This is the whole music. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, it does feel like a, look, now women, don't go too far. Mouth up too much or you might end up in a coffin on your old grandma. <laughs> that usually happens to people. Yeah. I mean, the Thatcher era was wild. <laughs> um, you had the Valiard. You had all these women <laughs> being buried under dead grandmas. Those are the two things her, her uh, prime ministership was known for, right? Yeah, that's it. Those are the only things. God, what if that was a real thing? What a weird the thing. The Valiard? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't I legitimately don't have anything else to talk Yeah, I feel like this is gonna be kind of a short one because there's not there's not much to really unpack here. There is some like you could probably say something about the missionary stuff, but mm-hmm. um Yeah I don't, I don't have strong feelings. This I don't care either. Yeah. So, uh do you have any monographs? Yeah, I, you have a lot of quotes that you wanted to talk about uh, i just had the one and we'll put it in here from her brother the earl of rufton by all accounts his oddities are of an entirely different order from those of his sister where she flouts convention he has raised the conventions of a former era to the status of a faith uh, i really enjoyed that little bit of wordplay uh, same with um a bit where holmes talking <laughs> about how i believe that to our efforts to save her we have driven her into the hands of her worst enemy but we saw her free. My dear Watson, a person may walk over the edge of a cliff because they've been invited to gaze at the moon. That's just like a, a good, like... Yeah. Um, um, not quite like a saying, but a good, like, cautionary phrase. A good... What am I looking at? It was... Oh, no, I was just looking off of this for a minute. I'm going to... Very visual bit. Um, I, <laughs> I do like that. It was in reference to, like, why would she have gone away with her captors willingly or something mm-hmm. like that. It's a, a good phrase. I'll probably use it at some point. Uh, in my life mm-hmm. also a fun bit where so Lindy Francis is uh, shown to have a history of sailing knowledge and mm-hmm. she's refusing to marry some of the guys that her brother is trying to push towards her to be the unpaid slave of a titled yokel who hasn't even read a book who thinks bark is something terriers do like uh, a bark is a kind of boat mm-hmm. there's a, a good like kind of niche joke I did enjoy it at the opening when they're coming back from church or whatever she walks out and she says something like uh, cracking speech today, Vicar slept through the whole thing, or something like that. It was just this like great line. Yeah, it's very uh, fun. That was the mouthing off at the priest. I was, I couldn't. I was like, when did you talk to a priest? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had one other bit I really enjoyed. Whole, uh, Watson is in the opening of his letter. I was like, I walked 14 miles with neither a twinge in my leg or shoulder, which is very funny to me. And I'm pretty sure this was referenced because nobody really, even Doyle, didn't was not consistent on whether he'd been wounded in the shoulder or the leg. It like changes through the times. Like you're like, yeah, when I was shot in the leg by the Giselle bullet, it was always a Giselle bullet, but it was sometimes in the leg, sometimes in the shoulder. So I think that purposely T.R. Bowen was like poking fun a little bit of like, I didn't feel a twinge of pain in my leg or my shoulder. <laughs> that is good. That is very fun. Yeah. I like that. I don't have any other monographs. Um, so we can sweep into a one horse race of must clash. Cause there's only one guy. Yeah. There's one dude. That's it. Um, um I mean, Schlesinger slash Holy Peters has, like, a little, like... A sad like, whiz. detective mustache. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's not very good. The only other person is the Honorable Richard Green, who has just 
a full beard. Yeah, it is honestly perhaps too much beard. It looks <laughs> fake somehow. Yeah, it might be. That's um, true. Like, I think he's supposed to be like a rough and tumble man. Like, that's the kind of his character in the book. He's like a strong <laughs> dude. So they gave him like this very thick beard. But I kept thinking he looks like, um, like a community theater production version of the dad from The Witch. Okay. It, it's but, a hat. <laughs> it felt like they put a fake beard on him and it didn't look natural. So instead of like going back to the drawing board, they just applied like face paint mm-hmm. to the parts where you could see through <laughs> it. And it, that made it look even more fake. Yeah. Like it somehow looks like they photoshopped a beard onto him. In post-production. Imagine, you know how, how if you get like the kind of fancy Lego minifigure, it comes with, like, with a, like a beard that's a separate mm-hmm. piece you slide between the body part and the and the head part and mm-hmm. goes over the face and it's kind of a bit big. Imagine that if you made that person into a real man. Yeah. Well, I think we've done a great job. I mean, we spent more time <laughs> describing that beard than talking about the book or show. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The Honorable Philip Green, Philip Green. Uh, gets to be uh, gets to be the Mush Class champion for the start of the season. Yay! Yay! We did it. We got him in the books. Yay! Uh, I'm just going to actually make a note of that one for this time. A thing we don't usually do. Brain champion. <laughs> uh, we'll see if he can... See if he can... Never mind. So is he going to Pokemon Go to the polls to the grand, fina- grand final against the King of Bohemia, the guy who runs that museum, and um, Sir Charles Baskerville? Yeah. It's Henry or Charles. I can't remember which one's the one who died and which one's the one that is from America. <laughs> <laughs> the two Sir- genders. <laughs> Sir Mahimbler of yeah. Baskerville. Uh, we'll see, though, if he can rise through the ranks of this season and make it to the grand final in our finale next season uh, for the entire Granada series. Nope, sorry, how, what's the... Next time, Jackson and I are going to talk about Thor Bridge. Yeah, uh, which, sadly, is not going to be a deep religious experience for me. We'll see. We'll see. Um, until then, prepare to meet I go. <laughs> <laughs>